Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well. The interlol is done, dusted, it's over, finished, completed, finito. That's it. No more interlulls this season. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've had a, a lifetime supply of interlulls just in this last interlull. It's, uh, it's been slow, has it not? It's been slow and difficult and, and worrying and slightly perplexing. I found myself vexed on a number of occasions. And at times, I have to admit, and, you know, we're all friends here. We've been doing this a long time together. I've been in a state of high dudgeon. Yes, it's been that kind of an interlal. Not helped today, actually, by everything in the world breaking on me, which, which wasn't great. I went to the, to get a bus. It was raining, so I took an umbrella. That was fine. The umbrella worked in an umbrella-ish fashion to get me to the bus stop. Got on the bus, sat there, got off the bus, tried to put the umbrella up, and it, like about seven of the, the, what do you call the umbrella scramblers inside that just sort of ding. So I had to put the umbrella in the bin and then buy another umbrella in one of those shops that sells lots of leprechaun and Irish sweatshirts and stuff like that. It was just a plain black umbrella with the word Ireland written on it, which um, seems a bit pointless to me. Because if I did ever forget where I was, the last place I would look to find out my location was on the umbrella that I own. But anyway, that that was fine. Sorted that. The umbrella situation sorted out. I was listening to podcasts uh, as I was walking to and fro where I needed to get to. Did my work. Put the uh, earphones back in and the left one just didn't work anymore. I mean, it was perfectly fine when I took it out and then it just didn't work anymore. So it's been one of those days to top off an interlull of great tedium. Nevertheless, there was some exciting news because I got an email last week completely out of the blue, and I was wondering, why is somebody from Colorado State University emailing me, telling me that he's looking for a teaching assistant for his Beat Generation Literature course this summer? Apparently, it runs for a month. It's lots of fun, very multimedia, with great readings, and the core texts are Kerouac's On the Road, Ginsburg's Howl and Other Poems, Diane de Prima's Dinners and Nightmares, Gary Snyder's Danger on Peaks, and The Beat Reader, edited by Anne Charters going, this is a very exciting opportunity for me because I've always wanted to teach Beat Generation literature. And then I realized, of course, that this wasn't for me. It was sent to the other Andrew Mangan, the one who lives in Colorado, the one who is, I believe, a Democrat, because I keep getting other uh, emails from political candidates 
who are saying, thank you for your support and come and join me at my rally for democracy in a democratic fashion stuff. That guy, he has the chance to be the teaching assistant on this course. So I I sent an email back going, wrong, Andrew Mangan. And she said, this was obviously sent by the professor's assistant. She said, well, it was asked that I pass it on to all MFAs and MAs. I don't know what that is. All I know is that I'm not one of those. So if you are in Colorado State University and you are hoping to be taught beat literature by me this summer for a month, which is going to be great fun, and it's very multimedia with great readings, you're going to be disappointed, I'm afraid, because I won't be doing that course. And that, folks, is about the most exciting thing that has happened to me in this uh, this particular interlock. been ages since I read uh, On the Road, a great book. I remember reading it when I was a teenager. Kind of mind-blowing, really. You know, you think, uh, you think you've got a handle on the world, and then all of a sudden you're exposed to this whole, this whole thing you know nothing about. You're kind of sucked into this story. It takes you along with it, like the journey, and then you know, there's an island, and they find a mosquito and amber, and they make dinosaurs, and it all ends really badly. Really badly for a lot of people. They should have known better. Just don't try and play God. That's the problem. But anyway, here we are, far side of the interval, and today, of course, is Good Friday. It's Easter weekend, and here in Ireland, you're uh, you're not allowed to drink. Well, you are allowed drink, but you can't go and get a drink in a bar or a restaurant because it's uh, it's illegal to serve alcohol on Good Friday which to me seems pretty ridiculous in a Catholic country. Because if you think about it, and the whole story of Jesus and everything, what is the one day in his life that he could really fucking use a drink? Yeah. The day you get nailed to a cross, I would say, is the day you could murder a beer. But no, you just can't. You're not allowed. You can get you can get beer, you can drink on trains for some reason, or you can drink in a hotel if you're a resident in a hotel. But lots of people come here, of course, uh, for uh, for holidays, for Easter. They think we'll have a fabulous Easter weekend in Ireland. We'll, you know, enjoy the eating and the drinking around the country. And then on Good Friday, they find that, well, you're, you know, you're not allowed to drink at all. No. Are you of the Catholic persuasion? Doesn't matter. You're not allowed to drink. Because because there's no good reason for it. No good reason. Imagine getting off a flight, like a really long flight, into Ireland and, and then discovering that you can't get a drink. Not even a beer, a glass of baby sham, nothing. Not a thing. It's terrible. It really is. This is 2015. When are we going to learn? Jesus would have had a beer. Probably two or three. Then you get full up a beer, so you got to have something else, maybe a little short. Maybe you could have a cocktail, a Manhattan, a gin sling, a Moscow mule, a Roman cross, you know, something. He definitely would have. So they need to change the law here. And if you're ever planning on coming to Ireland, don't do it on Good Friday. Um, so there. Anyway, look, we, we should get on and do Arsenal arsecasty stuff. And we've got two guests on the show for you this week, which is great. Uh, obviously, we'll be chatting a little bit later on to the Mug Smasher because we are playing the Mug Smashers tomorrow. 
But first, to get a more sensible outlook on life and everything else, uh, I'm delighted to welcome, as always, Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Hi, Andrew. Can we start um, by just talking very briefly about decisions made by television companies which are affecting fans uh, far and wide about when games are being played? Two Arsenal games have been rescheduled to Monday nights. That's obviously going to affect people who've booked tickets, etc., etc. The decisions are being made with less and less time to uh, for fans to, to make travel arrangements especially games away from home. Is there anything we can do about this other than just suck it up and accept it as part of the the, uh, the new landscape where the media um, decides on when games are going to be played? Is there anything fans can do? I'm afraid to say I think there's five billion reasons why fans can't do anything, um, which is pretty tragic. Mm. But In fact, it's more than five billion because when you add the international uh, rights, which are probably half as much money again on top of that um which are part of any tv package that is the shot calling situation um it's really harsh because i think probably of of an average um game at the emirates where there's you know 60,000 people roughly hoping to to come on and making plans to come and watch a big game we know now that not only are fans coming from um all over england but all over the world uh, and when people perhaps save up and book holidays and it becomes a you know big part of their life to to travel some very very long distances for the the joy of of the the experience that tv is spending all this money for which is the vibrant live experience that they're trying to portray yeah. which fans are a big part of um it, it, it is galling that we're in a landscape now where the bottom line is if you know, if it's a, a, a game that's coming up and you want to try and book uh, either cheap trains to travel to an away game or uh, cheap flights if you're coming from overseas or, so, or something like that and actually getting hold of the tickets in, its, uh, in the, the, their own right, you can suddenly find yourself down mm. a substantial amount of money. Frustration comes into it. Uh, it does seem particularly harsh. But the reality of it, I guess, from now on in, is if people have got any sense, you just have to rethink how you play these things. The, you know, the fans, are, unfortunately, I can't see a way of uh, of it being run differently. If you if you want a cheap um, train ticket, you know, either you got to wait until they've announced the the TV schedule, um, and and. Uh, or, or you might find yourself losing out. Could the TV companies do more, perhaps, where, or maybe some sort of arrangement could be found with fans groups or somebody representative of fans, not just from an Arsenal point of view, but football fans in general, where there is at least um, a, a scheduled time when they're going to announce these fixtures. Now, I know that their decision on which games to show, particularly at this stage of the season, is dependent on who is where. Uh, in the league and, and what the ramifications of certain games might be. But if there was a minimum six or eight week notice period for for games, would that help? Or is that realistic to, to think that, that TV companies would do that? It, w- it would certainly be worth putting that to them. And I think the other thing that would be worth putting to them is, you know, uh, uh, perhaps um, particularly with Monday and we're, uh, we're going to have Friday night games coming up. Um, mm pretty soon i would like to see a situation that those games um are ideally speaking within a a sort of fairly local radius of the home team 
you know, let's say they put a kind of 50 mile or whatever it is, whatever would be considered practical limit where if they're going to pick a game for a Monday or a, or a Friday night that uh, it might suit them to have um, Man United against Arsenal. But realistically, can they not pick, uh, if it's a Man United home game, one of the many teams in the North West, or if it's a game in London, there's enough fairly close by Mm. so that at least it's minimising the level of difficulty and inconvenience. Because obviously those those big journeys, I mean, I think Arsenal handled the... um, the recent FA Cup tie at Old Trafford impeccably under the circumstances. I think they made representations to the FA because they weren't happy on behalf of the fans um, of it being selected for for the Monday night. But once it was what it was, they obviously realised they had to organise transport and subsidise it, mm. which was definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, Arsenal fans now have to go to Hull on a Monday night. There's no particular reason why that game had to be on a Monday night. And I think even ahead of tomorrow's game against Liverpool, a number of the Arsenal fan groups and some of the Liverpool uh, fan uh, representative groups uh, have called on fans to get together and protest against ticket prices ostensibly. But I think what exacerbates the frustration with ticket prices is the fact that games can be moved at really short notice. Uh, and it's not just the price of the ticket that people have to take into uh, take into account. It's the, the price of travel and flights and hotels and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, look, it, it would be, I think, in the interests of football as a goodwill gesture, apart from anything else, to realise that they have some kind of obligation to the supporters to at least try and meet somewhere in the middle. Like, mm. obviously, they're, they're entitled to turn around and say, we're paying the money, we do what we want. But it wouldn't do them any harm to try and understand at least the difficulties that certain fans are facing. They're never going to please everybody all the time, but they can certainly please some of the people some of the time. Mm. And it's it's sort of strange, isn't it, that it comes in a week where we've had these new FA proposals about homegrown players and looking after supposedly what's what's best for the game. And you made the point earlier that, you know, Sky and, and all these TV companies that want to show the games, they want full stadiums, they want atmospheres, but in pretty much everything that they do, um, they're they're damaging that and they're damaging the relationship between not just fans and their clubs because I think that's more solid but between fans and, and the game the modern game itself Look, I mean, we've seen the beginnings of protests by various fan groups um, which is, you know, at least letting people know and while we have social media on, on the side of fans, that can mobilise people um, I, I, I suppose that the, the real attempt is to have some you know organization that's representing you know lots of fan groups because it is quite disparate these days you know in the old days um there was really one major supporters club for uh for each of them of the main clubs you know and and of course there'd be the geographical ones but you know going back not so long ago for example when when arsenal decided to um to do the bond scheme, which was deeply unpopular. And they were asking lots of fans for thousands of pounds um, to basically to have the right to buy a season ticket on the North Bank when they um, decided to, when they had to put seats in. And that was hugely controversial. And, and, and the fans actually rallied quite hard in protesting against them, albeit without any kind of win, yeah. but certainly made their presence felt in a quite significant way. Um but there, you know, there was the main sort of supporters club 
in existence and there were fans in that and that was more or less it in terms of getting everybody together but now there's umpteen sort of subsections of sure. different supporters sure. groups like uh, the people's but, front of judea and the judean <laughs> people's front etc etc <laughs> exactly exactly uh, and, uh yeah it's temptation to to uh to swear there and and um that, that that's such a great sketch but uh <laughs> Yeah, look that one up, everybody. If you haven't seen it, it's the, one of the all-time great sketches from Monty Python. But yeah, anyway, it, it basically makes it, I, I guess, more difficult to have power in the overall voices of fans because the fan bases can seem, you know, a bit disparate. Mm. But um, it's good to see different clubs coming together. So, for example, the, the Liverpool groups like Spirit of Shankly, who have been quite... Um, vocal on on these matters uh, coming together with some of the Arsenal fan groups at least it's a start yeah I think perhaps an acceptance that these are issues which which in isolation um, people can rail at but uh, when there is perhaps a bit more togetherness it, they are things that affect every single football fan from every single uh, Premier League and uh, club and below and, and the, you know you can put that rivalry aside um, the, the on-pitch rivalry aside because if you can make things work uh, for all fans then ultimately it's going to work best for you so we'll have to see um, right uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit about football Arsene Wenger I guess probably didn't want the international break when it came because his team was in in very good form. Six wins from six and 14 wins from 16 in uh, in 2015, or it could be 14 from 17, I think. But anyway, uh, lots of wins. Um, I guess he'll just be hoping they can pick up where they left off. Absolutely. Um, I think that the momentum in the team was great. And, and I'm quite intrigued particularly that, that the, the home form i mean you talk about the overall kind of mm-hmm. lots of wins which is fantastic but arsenal are on their longest run of premier league consecutive wins since moving into the emirates now whether that's a coincidence or not that that happens at a time after arsenal finally won something you know i remember arsene Wenger standing um on that platform they'd erected um just in front you know just above the uh the the armory yeah when they were displaying the FA Cup, saying, you know, oh, you know, people wondered whether the whether it was a curse at the Emirates Stadium and how relieved it was and how they kind of felt like they were at home. Mm. But, it, you know, I think sometimes because you're in the middle of it all and it's all happening around you and we're living in this instant judgment kind of time of the moment sort of society, it's hard to take a step back and think. But the move from hybrid to the Emirates was such a gigantic thing, not just in terms of what the club did financially and, and so on and so forth, but just from that sense of feeling at home. You know, somebody asked me the other day, do Arsenal really feel at home now at the Emirates? Which I thought was a really interesting question. Um, and, you know, probably if you asked everyone, you get a load of different answers. Yeah. I, don't, I guess a lot depends on how old you are, whether you had the privilege of going to Highbury a lot before and found that difficult to let go. If you're a younger fan or a newer fan that that struggled to get to Highbury and now you go to the Emirates, you might not have any of those kind of romantic things that were difficult to let go of. But certainly the the team are playing at the moment at home as if they really, you know, feel that kind of sense of the fortress. Mm. Um, eight wins on the spin at home. Of course, the, the in, in uh, the Premier League is is you know not to be sniffed at. The, the one big miss, of course, was the Monaco game, and that's 
in itself is also interesting because the home form overall statistically is fabulous. But when you look at the moments when Arsenal have, you know, maybe just, you know, the, the rare occasions where they haven't won at home this season has been when they've been under a bit of pressure. Um, you know, the Man United obviously was a defeat earlier on in the season, the only league defeat. And Man City and Spurs were the teams, well, I think that's Hull City as well, to give them credit, who got draws. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty much been wins all the way. So the fact that Liverpool and Chelsea come up now is a really interesting moment for Arsenal to show what they're made of. Is, do you think there has been a step forward? Because some I spoke about this with James on the Arscast Extra on, on Monday, and it was whether or not Arsenal had made progress this season. And, you know, it's difficult until you get to the end of it and you see how many points and whether the FA Cup is retained and what position Arsenal finish in the very obvious uh, measures of, of progress. But does it feel perhaps a bit like some of the... Some of the psychological issues or weaknesses that we've discussed in the past, games against big teams, uh, they've beaten um, Manchester City, they've beaten Manchester United. Uh, does it feel like perhaps there's been a little bit of a step forward in that regard? I think that's very much the case. Not not in a perfect way, because yeah. obviously you would probably count Monaco as one of those big games, albeit not necessarily in terms of the scale of the opponent, but the scale of the importance of the match. Um but the, you know the improvement is obvious, particularly away from home. When you look at those absolute slappings last season, mm. and this season, you know, only going down two 0 at Stamford Bridge was was an improvement. Obviously, winning at Man City was a, a, a huge improvement. Um, so, uh, you know, th- those are those are the kind of positives I think you know Arsenal will look at at the end of the season and see. Okay, that was a thing that needed fixing, and they've they've fixed that to a degree. Um, which is where I'm intrigued by how Arsenal get on against Liverpool and Chelsea, particularly in these home games coming up. Because if they go well, then I think you've got great weight behind the kind of side of of the coin that's saying, here's Arsenal's progress. If they don't go so well, then people will be entitled to, to probably get critical all over again and say, oh, Arsenal still can't handle it mm. you know, on the big occasions. Because these particularly two, two games coming up against Liverpool and Chelsea at home are the ones that realistically are going to define whether Arsenal potentially can finish second or potentially finish outside the top four. Yeah. The the game against Liverpool is particularly interesting because Arsenal uh, have a six-point lead over Liverpool right now. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a case that Liverpool really need to win this game or are there enough fixtures left for them to to consider a draw reasonable because if Arsenal win nine points with seven games whatever it is left to go uh, eight games perhaps you know it becomes extremely difficult to see them overcoming a nine point deficit but you know if they hold it back to three points puts the pressure on again so uh, do, do you feel like this is a game that Liverpool are going to go for considering how they played at Anfield as well Brendan Rodgers seems to be able to get his teams playing pretty well against uh, against us um do you think they're going to go for it and if so would that suit us in a way i think they do have to go for it to an extent although i think a draw they'll have to be reasonably happy with the draw um although it still it still makes life difficult bear in mind they've not just got to you know they just need to overtake one of uh man city man man united and arsenal to to reach that that top four so it's not like they've got to get ahead of three teams they just need one of those three to, mm. you know, stumble. 
um, which is where I think a point would keep them alive. I think if they lose, it's going to be very hard. But obviously a win makes it so tight all over again. Next week it's the Manchester derby. So, you know, to look at it in terms of all the four teams who are involved at the moment in in the search for those three remaining spots, assuming Chelsea are pretty much, it's impossible for them to to fall out of the top four together. All right, Amy. We'll leave it there. Let's uh, let's see where we go against Liverpool and what that means for the uh, for the rest of the season. Thanks as always. Pleasure. If you're not already following Amy on Twitter, why not? You should do that straight away at Amy Lawrence seventy one. You can also find her in the uh, the Guardian, the Observer, the BBC from time to time. She's she's everywhere which is a good thing, in my opinion. Now, before we get on with the next part of the show and the next guest, we have to do this bit where, you know, podcasts take time and effort to put together, right? I think everybody accepts that. There's a certain amount of production and preparation and and all that kind of stuff that goes into making one. And you get the podcast uh, in your ears every week for absolutely no money whatsoever. And of course... um Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, you know, it's not a good business model for anyone, you know. So we've got to do a little bit of advertising. And having spoken about Sky Sports earlier and everything else, I suppose I should feel a little bit ashamed or a little bit guilty about taking their advertising money. But I figure once I'm upfront about it with you guys and say, well, look, I'm only doing it for the money. They're giving me some money to, to advertise their their wares. And I, I use that money to, to bring you more podcasts. I think everybody's cool about it. So we can put all our uh, fears and, and dislike aside for just one minute. We play this one commercial and then we get on with the rest of the show. Sounds like a deal? Okay, good. We'll do this and then we'll do the next bit. Get ready for an explosive week of football on Sky Sports. It begins Monday night when Arsenal face Hull in a continental-style 10pm kickoff. That's followed by an explosive London derby as Chelsea face Queen's Park Rangers at Stamford Bridge in Midnight Madness. It'll be insane at the lane as Spurs take on Leicester in Wednesday morning football kicking off at 7am before Burnley play Southampton in the lunchtime lashabout. Let the kids make their own way home from school on Thursday as the Manchester derby takes place at 4 o'clock. And finally, Liverpool do battle with Aston Villa with the first half taking place on Friday at 6 and the second half being played a week next Thursday. 
It's another incredible week of football here on Sky Sports, where fans don't matter. Right then, seeing as we are playing the Monk Smashers tomorrow, who else can we uh, talk to for this second part of the podcast than the Monk Smasher himself? Hello. Hello there. How has your interlull been? Um, oh yeah, I've kind of forgotten about football entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It exists. It exists, but I'm no longer playing it. Uh, and I haven't been watching much of it either. Ah, uh, yeah. Are you missing it, actually? You I must be. I miss playing, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All those goals. <laughs> yep. Let's move on. Shall we? Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Raheem Sterling. Okay. Um, he gave an interview today. Do you see it? No. All right. He's basically... He's kind of, you know, springing a trap on me here. I am, yeah. Good. He, he's given an interview today. Um, to say that Howard Kendall is the greatest manager of, of all time. Oh, Jesus. No, he didn't. What he said was that he, if, if Liverpool had offered him a contract last season, uh, he would have signed it for much less than the £100,000 a week contract that he has since turned down from Liverpool because he doesn't want anyone to think that he's just in it for the money, but he's going to wait until the summer to consider his options, but he wants to be playing at the highest level and win trophies etc etc so some mixed messages there is there yeah some mixed messages yeah what is is there um uh, a sense that perhaps he's you know a jazzy handed decent little player who's got ideas above his station or what do you reckon um but potentially he may be getting some bad advice i mean there were there was talk of various uh you know mega clubs mm. being interested in him so um, is that ideas above a station if, if people of that stature are interested in him? I don't mm. know. But he's being advised poorly. You're right. Um, but to say a jazzy-handed, handy little player is sort of... Well, he to, does have to, jazz hands. Come yeah, on. but it's to underplay his quality. I saw people comparing him to Aaron Lennon, and that's kind of ridiculous. That's a, I think anybody comparing anything to Aaron Lennon is mean. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly better than Aaron Lennon has ever been and he's still only I don't know mm. 19 is he I think if you were to find a really fast hedgehog and compare him to Aaron Lennon it would be mean on the hedgehog perhaps but there's two Aaron Lennons now there's a new one is called there? Andros Townsend oh yeah yeah that was a good goal wasn't it I didn't see it oh didn't that was see a, yeah really great goal yeah yeah amazing goal Right. But Buffon just completely beaten. It was a brilliant, brilliant shot. Right. So yeah, it was they, an I accident, you I saying. did see some football. Oh, and I saw Ireland play as well. And that was yeah. fun. Well, we won't go there. Um, so back to Raheem Sterling. Yeah, he's being advised poorly, obviously. Um, brinkman, brinkmanship and Perhaps. all that jazz. 100 grand a week. It's all uh, right. It's ridiculous, yeah. yeah. Just take it. Get on with your life. Yeah. I mean, he is. He, he's still a kid and he has a lot to learn. Uh, and I think... Leaving or moving now is is a bad thing, you know, for his career. There's been some, but because his contract situation is, is not as uh, pressing as Theo Walcott's, for example, where Walcott has only got 12 months left this summer and Sterling has got two years, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not that pressing. But obviously, if a player makes it known that he's not going to sign a new deal or he's in this kind of uh, area, then clubs have a decision to make, right? They can sell him with two years to go so they get the most money for him or they hang on to him for another year and uh, and try and convince him to sign before he gets to the 12-month period where they pretty much have to sell him. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. He's playing games. Henderson hasn't signed either. 
I know Rogers have been trying to tie a lot of people down to long term contracts. Coutinho, mm. Coutinho signed for five years. Yeah, who knows? Mm. Um, who knows what they're playing at? But I mean, you know, we should never be surprised by footballers acting like tits. No, that's very true. Yeah, mm. they're mostly idiots. <laughs> uh, Theo Walcott, would you take a Walcott Sterling swap? Not, no, not in a million years. I saw someone saying that that Rogers was lining. Oh, it was a bullshit headline somewhere. Rogers is lining up Walcott mm. as Sterling's replacement, which is ridiculous. He's a he's a Liverpool fan, Theo. Yeah, but he's terrible. <laughs> like he's just not not as not as good mm. as Sterling. How old is Walcott now? Twenty six. Hitting his peak. Yeah. What happens when the pace goes? Yeah. Or even with the pace. Mm. You know, he's so inconsistent. He's so flaky. Mm. Uh, even uh, you know at the at the very peak of his game. He's wildly inconsistent. Mm. So uh, you're saying you wouldn't take a Walcott <laughs> no. Sterling swap? No, not in the slightest. What if I was to offer you a selection of board games? <laughs> like, uh, Go on. Um, well, you could have Trivial Pursuit, perhaps Operation. No. Not even for Operation. Have you anything more modern? Um, I don't really know any modern board games. Yeah, neither do I. Um we could, yeah, Snakes and Ladders isn't really that tempting. Would, Cluedo. Modern. Cluedo. Yeah, we're back with the old. What was the one with the, the, the dice in the middle? Frustration. With frustration. Yeah. Now, it's rare that you get a dice in the middle of a thing that you push down and it goes. Ding. It is rare. Yeah? Yeah. So. No. No? No dice. There is a dice. It's in the middle of the. All right. Okay. So right. So the the situation is uh, at the moment that Arsenal have a six point lead over Liverpool mm. as it stands. Mm-hmm. So if Arsenal were to win against Liverpool on Saturday, that would make it nine points. Does that kill your Champions League hopes? Like, can you catch Manchester United? Perhaps. Well, it kills. Our, it kills any chance of catching Arsenal. Hmm. But outside of that, no, I don't think so. Right. Um, I should be more informed and know what the fixtures are. But as far as I remember, United have the tougher running. Yeah. Should we look now while we're while we're doing it? Um, let me just see. How would I get the Liverpool fixtures? Would be a would be a good way of doing this. Yeah. Liverpool fixtures on the very Liverpool website. So okay. So what you've got left is Arsenal. Um, away from home. Then you've got Blackburn away from home, but that's in the FA Cup. Right. Newcastle at home. Should fancy that one, right? Yeah. Hull away. Fancy that. West Brom away. That's a Tony Pulis side. Yeah. You've had your problems with them. Yeah, as many does. people, many people have. They've kind of petered out a bit, though, haven't they, recently? Mm. Yeah. But, you know, you couldn't be too confident in that. Queen's Park Rangers at home. That's, that's sure fire... Three points there. Chelsea away. Loss. You reckon? That's a defeat. Can Chelsea keep their their players in the, what I like to call the Armstrong zone, the Lance zone, <laughs> until the end of the season, do you think? What's that? It's just a, just a zone I made up for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> just, you, think it's just, you think it's just Chelsea? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just saying that, you know, that's how I like to refer it. It's a personal thing. Right. So, yeah. So you still think you're going to lose that one? We're going to lose to Chelsea, yeah. Okay. We're going to lose to Arsenal as well. Crystal Palace at home then? 
Yeah, four three Palace, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, well, no, yeah, we'll, we'll, have them. we'll have them at home. And then Stoke City away. Last game of the Last season. Last game of the season. It really depends if there's anything to play for there, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. So who else? So should we be looking at Man United fixtures then to see? Yes. Okay. Let's, yes, we should. Let's see who they've got. Well, they've got Arsenal at some point. I know. I think they've got. Yeah. Um, what a wanky looking website. Why don't they just show all the fixtures instead of the next four? Three. Three. Uh, and one of them is... Oh, that's ridiculous. This is a terrible web experience I'm having here on ManchesterUnited.com, so maybe the BBC, BBC will have it. Uh, da, da, da. Yep, loads up quicker than Jimmy Savile. In, no, we won't. But, um, okay, so they've got Aston Villa. Yeah. And they're going to win that. Oh, Tim Sherwood. Do you reckon? I don't know. Tim Sherwood could... could He's got the best win ratio of any manager of all time. <laughs> the saddest eyes. Yeah. Uh, Man, that's a Manchester derby then. Man yeah. United versus Man City. Who who would you fancy there? Uh, that could I be a draw. City. I fancy City. Because mm. I'm deluded. Then they've got Chelsea away. I fancy Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Everton away as well. That's a tough game. It, Is it? it looks like it would be a tough game, but Everton have been a bit crap this season. They have. The Martinez effect is taking hold. Yeah, but his teams tend to rally at the end of the season, don't they? They do, yeah. Uh, Normally because they're about to be relegated, but mm. um, there you go. Uh, okay, so then they've got West Brom at home, and they're going to win that one. Crystal Palace away, you'd fancy them to win that. Then Arsenal. Then Arsenal at home. And then Hull City away on the final day of the season. Yeah. So. I, th- I think we can catch them. I don't know. Bullshit. I don't really know. Mm. Um, but to go back to your question, if you beat us, I don't think it's the end of our um, Champions League hopes. Mm. Do I? I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Tired. Well, I mean, if it is, do you blame it all on uh, Steven Gerrard for no. his... Stampy madness. No. That's one game. Mm. You want me to? No, no, I was just asking. No, it was fucking ridiculous. It was quite funny. Well, it wasn't funny in any way. <laughs> well, it was for me. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. 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 No, it was, though. I, I blocked you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Only for a week or two. Right, well, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I can see how that's funny for everyone else, but it was mm. just fucking ridiculous, really. Mm. Uh, at his age and all that he should know better yeah, stupid alright well look um, mm. and I like Skirtle's defiance <laughs> just uh, no no I didn't no, didn't do it yeah but um, you know the way the replay show you clearly doing it no yeah but you know that's slow motion and you know yeah how is a ref supposed to see things in slow motion yeah. on a video from five angles yeah I don't it's just crazy. no but slow motion doesn't reflect reality that's true you know it in, is in real time you could argue that, you know, it wasn't intentional. And they tried that and failed. But anyway. Miserably. They're lucky he didn't get another ban for a frivolous appeal. Yeah, I think it was just so entertaining for yeah. them they let him off. I quite liked his picture of the clowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well. Good. It is funny, you know, when you, you know, when you invest in a lie so much, you start to believe in it. Yeah. He seems to have gone down that road. <laughs> it's quite good. All right, very finally then. So, Sterling, Walcott, Swap, and... As well as frustration and operation, trivial pursuit, 
a really nice pack of cards so you can play um, Patience. And you, if you give me your PS4, then I'm in. Not a PS4. I give you a DVD box set of Space Ghost. I'm fine. Ah, fuck. Well, I tried, people. Walcott is a terrible footballer. Sterling is a very, very good footballer for his age and is only going to get better. Mm. There you are. There you go. So no amount of board games is going to do it. It's a good no. job you're not you know, part of the negotiation process because there are people who would say that's a pretty good deal. Particularly the Space Ghost DVD set. What the fuck is Space Ghost? What do you mean, what the fuck is Space Ghost? Do you not remember Space Ghost? No. Come on. Are we about to watch some Space Ghost? No, we're not. Well, I'll just I'll just bring up Space Ghost here. We used to watch it as yeah. kids together. <laughs> Look, Space Ghost, that uh, guy. Remember? Yeah. Vaguely. He was the Space Ghost. <laughs> it's not really. Ring- I mean, it looks familiar, but... Here's the opening of Space Ghost. Hang on. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, okay. Okay, so now I'm you're being tempted now by the space ghost thing. No, no. I just remember. Right. Now that I see it. Well, look. Look see giant ants shooting laser shit at him and he's blasting them back and uh, hooded guys. Time. It's amazing. Um yeah. See, this, I don't look giant ants now, and he's swinging them around like, like they were small ants. Yeah. Um. That's yeah, that's peculiar. There's a the little guy. There's little space children, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you go. Well, no, no, no deal. Thanks. Okay. No All deal. right. What well, we, what we haven't discussed is is the match. Oh, weekend. yeah, well, I was kind of not wanting to, really, because yeah. I, I'm still a bit shaken by the 2-2 draw at your place, you see, because we were so bad that day, so bad, and you should have won about 15-0, uh, yeah. and um, and then we should have won the game, because you were you were down to 10 men, and there was nine minutes of injury time, because Skirtle was allowed to get treatment on the pitch when he should have been taken off the pitch mm. for all kinds of reasons mm-hmm. but he wasn't and then he popped Injustice. up to score a header and, and it was 2-2 and you know so I'm a bit worried because we're in good form so we'll probably play better uh, and I don't know what's going to happen and we're in bad form yeah we are in bad form mm. three or four games in a row of playing. Well, we were in good form going to play you and you weren't in particularly good form then either and then you played very well. I, I don't know. So maybe because it's away from home, he'll set the team up differently. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, he's been more willing to sit off a little bit this season, hasn't mm. he? Yeah, we'll see. I'm not optimistic. Mm. I'm particularly worried by the threat of uh, Jay Spearing. <laughs> Who does he play for? No idea. He went to Bolton, and then I haven't seen him. But that could be why. Because yeah. how much Bolton do you watch? I try to get them. But life is just so busy. <laughs> All right, a quick prediction then for the game. Uh, an Arsenal win. Yeah. A comfortable Arsenal win. Right. Well, we'll see. We we'll shall. We'll see. And we'll, um, well, look, we'll talk to you next season. I'll talk to you on the way out. Yeah. But the rest of these people will talk to you next season. Bye-bye. Thank you. So that's it. That was the Mug Smasher. He's not very confident, but then, you know, he tends to be a bit like that when it comes to these games. And his... 
Jedi mind tricks about score predictions and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not paying any attention to what he thought was going to happen in the game. What is going to happen in the game? Very good question. Um, In terms of the team... We had some players back from injury during the week. Mikel Arteta, uh, Jack Wilshire, Matthew Debushi, Abu Diaby. Yes, Abu Diaby back and playing football again. Um, but Arsene Wenger wasn't sure if any of them were going to be involved on Saturday against Liverpool because, well, they're only just coming back from lengthy spells and, and this game during the week was supposed to just sort of give them a bit of match practice and what have you. But, you know, it's good that we've got all these guys coming back. The manager is going to have serious selection headaches if if everyone can stay fit. Why am I talking about? If everyone can stay fit. Come on, we know how this goes. These guys will all come back and another few will go out. But look, we're in good form going into this one. And hopefully, as we were talking about with Amy, the international break won't have uh, broken the momentum too much. We've won six in a row. Six in a row going into this particular game. Liverpool form a bit iffy, I guess. But, you know... They were very good against us at Anfield, and I think we went into that game feeling quite confident that we'd be able to, you know, uh, give them a good game, a competitive game. But instead, they had, I think, 28 shots, and we had three, and then we were winning until the very, you know, it was not a day I'd like to see repeated. So we'll have to see how it all goes. But the onus, I think, is on Liverpool to come out and attack, and if we can if we can hold them off and hit them on the counter-attack with our blinding pace of... Alexis and um, and others, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Our most blinding pace, of course, is on the bench, Theo Walcott. Can't imagine he's going to start. He didn't impress for England during the week, and uh, we've been doing all right without him, but if we need him, he's on the bench. Danny Welbeck is a dad, of course, having tweaked his knee playing for England. I think they're going to make a, a fairly late decision uh, about him. But we'll wait and see. It's one of those games, though. It's a 12.45 kickoff, I think. I'll just check this here. As always, I haven't bothered looking, but it is a 12.45 on BT Sport. So we're uh, going to be treated to the dulcet tones of Michael Owen in co-commentary. <sighs> what a weekend. First, you can't get a drink today, and then tomorrow it's Michael Owen in your ears. What did anyone ever do to deserve that? But look, let's um, keep fingers crossed that we can... Keep this momentum going. If we win this game, it gives us a nine-point lead over Liverpool, who will be in fifth place, and only eight games to go. And you have to think that that would probably be that in terms of Champions League football, and we could concentrate on looking up and finishing higher. What we don't want to do, necessarily, is put ourselves under more pressure. You know, because I think there could be something with this team where they, they like it. In a weird way, a weird sort of sadomasochistic way. They like being under pressure right to the last game of the season, although none of us do. So I'm hopeful that they can put that uh, habit behind them, beat Liverpool tomorrow, and then we can just sort of ease our way in to the final games of the season. That sounds like a good plan to me. So if they could just carry that out, execute that without any hiccups, um, I'd appreciate that. So please, someone pass on the message to the manager and the players. Uh, and, and they just do that. So look, that's it. I'll be back with you on Monday along with James with an Arscast Extra looking back on what happened tomorrow. It's kind of confusing, but you know what I mean. We'll be here discussing the weekend's events, taking your questions and everything else. In the meantime, have yourselves a great um, Easter weekend, whatever you might do. Don't eat too much chocolate. Don't give chocolate eggs to your dogs because your dog will die. 
That's what happens. Dogs eat Easter eggs, and then the Easter eggs just go in their stomachs and go, and your dog will die. So don't let your dog eat your Easter egg. And I'll talk to you on the very next Arscast. So until then, cheers. Bye-bye. And the skies did go dark, and it rained heavily for quite a while. After, he was taken from the mount, wrapped in his shroud, and brought to his final resting place. There was much weeping and gnashing of teeth. People felt bereft. How could this happen? How could the one they loved be taken away from them so easily? It was a terrible weekend, even though there was no such thing as weekends back then. But on the third day, something incredible happened. Joseph of Crimea, he did go to the tomb, and there, standing in front of him, was the one. Joseph could not believe his eyes. Speak to me, he said. Speak to me so I know it's really you. There was a pause, and then he did speak, loudly and clearly so everybody could hear. Space Ghost, he said, and they did have a party, which was great, until some bloke took out an acoustic guitar. There's always one of those cunts. This is the word of Space Ghost. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.